This is the 966 episode 68. 68. Mr. Richard Wilson. Hello. How are you? We're going to break 70 in our first year. We are going to break 70 in our first year. We are red hot. Um, you can't get rid of smoking us right now. Smoking hot. And Richard, we're going to have a little fun this week. We're going to be talking about the World Cup in Qatar, some stuff on Saudi soccer and really all things about this first World Cup to be held in the Arab world. We've got a really interesting conversation coming up, a shorter conversation, but a fun conversation with Dr. Mohammed Al-Haji, a former guest of the 966. Um and just a really great conversation. He attended the World Cup um, in Qatar and might be going back for the quarterfinals. So we're, of course, super jealous of that. We're going to give props to our Saudi friends for a really good match against Argentina. We'll get to all this stuff in a second. And actually, Richard, I noticed that you have some flair today um, <laughs> for the YouTube video viewers. We've got a Saudi flag and a U.S. flag in the back representing both. Richard, I also have some flair that I'd like to show you and our YouTube viewers. And I'm saying this as a surprise. Can't believe you didn't notice it, by the way. But I will be representing the Saudi side. Look with at the, this. Uh, Saudi World Cup jersey. Oh, you're going to stand up for that. Yeah, this can you see that? You're gr yeah. Green Falcons. <laughs> nice. Green. <laughs> so this is a gift from another former guest, uh, Dr. Aziz Al-Nazi, uh, who gave it to me in Riyadh a few Aziz, weeks ago. Aziz, good job. What am I? Aziz, I'm a friend too. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, your size may not be available. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. I love it. I love yeah, this it. is going to... This is So I am... We, both of us, Richard, I think I can speak for both of us, are... U.S. soccer fans, of course, yeah. uh, red, white, and blue always. Um, but it was really cool to see the Saudi uh, side this World Cup do very well. Um, and actually, Richard, before we get to Dr. Mohammed Al-Haji, let's talk a little bit about the World Cup in Saudi. Well, I'm excited because we we were sitting around going, you know, we have our, our schedule and we have our bookings and we try and keep ahead of the game. But we realized we needed to do a World Cup mm -hmm. episode. Um so, you know, what's the best way to do it? So I reached out to some friends and, and, and Dr. Muhammad, Muhammad Al-Haji, uh, who, by the way, just so everyone knows, go back and find that episode. He's director of behavioral insights and the nudge unit at the ministry of health does some fascinating stuff. Yep. He went to a couple of the, uh, uh, group stage games. Um, so he can give us a firsthand account of that Saudi fan experience. And like, like Lucian said, he'll probably go back. And again, we are envious. Yeah, I do have two flags. Both teams are eliminated, uh, but both teams acquitted themselves well. And I think met, uh, if not surpassed expectations. Um, so everyone can feel good about that. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the World Cup. So before we get to, to Muhammad, um, sort of uh, things that are on my mind about the World Cup. So it, it, here we have the World Cup. It's along with the Olympics, the most watched, I mean, the biggest sporting event in the world. And Lucian, I think you'll agree in the run up to the world cup. Um, much of what we were seeing in the Western media, at least was skepticism. I mean, how did cut, how did Cutter become the host in the first place? How will, you know, this tiny little state, this, you know, country, the size of Connecticut deal with the crowds and logistics and, and the drinking and, you know, and what about LGTBQ matters? What about labor practices? You know, human rights record, all these things. I think that dominated a lot of the media coverage here. Um, now that we're, we're a little over two weeks into the World Cup, so we're through the group phase, we're past the first knockout round and into quarterfinals with there's only eight teams left. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's worthwhile to take a look at what's happened. 
and you know how, see this World Cup from a broader perspective, and one maybe that is less concerned about if there's Budweiser in the stadiums or you know armband protests on the pitch. But before we get that on the operational side, again, big question, and and I think from all reports and, and Wall Street Journal quotes, you know matches have gone off without a hitch for each day, all within 35 miles of each other. The desert heat isn't a problem. Nor have crowds overwhelmed or uh, an untested new transit system with a hundred daily flights delivering fans from surrounding countries, unquote. And Muhammad will talk about this, his experience, which corroborates what Wall Street Journal is saying. Um, I also think it's worthwhile, again, trying to step back. I mean, this is the first global sporting event in the post-pandemic era. And so, you know, 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics, you know, nobody in the stands, no foreign spectators, they were banned. 2022 Beijing Olympics, same thing. Uh, in Doha, first time in three years, you know, thousands of people cramming themselves into stadiums every day. So let's get back to the theme. All right. This is a 22nd World Cup. Um, it's impressive. FIFA has been organizing these since 1930 in Uruguay. You know, <laughs> the U.S. finished its highest ever. We finished third. I don't know how many teams were <laughs> third out of three, got, maybe. Yeah. Whoever exactly. <laughs> could make their way to Uruguay in 1930 <laughs> could have a, a spot in the World Cup. Um, but it's pretty amazing. So, you know, this is, you know, and it tests the global popularity of soccer. So it's, you've had a World Cup every four years, except for 1942 and 1946 because of World War II. And, um, but to be honest, I mean, the World Cup has really been about Europeans and South American teams. Uh, you know, Brazil has five World Cups, Germany, Italy, four each, France, Uruguay, and Argentina, two each, and England and Spain, one each. So that's your 21 World Cup winners today. Nary an Asian team, nary an African team, much less a Middle Eastern team. Um, so, and, and again, by all reports, this World Cup has a much more global vibe. Uh, for the first time, six six all six of the populated continents were represented in the round of 16. This includes two teams from Africa, Senegal and Morocco, and three teams from Asia, Japan, South Korea, and Australia. Um, and now, with Morocco beating Spain to get into the quarters, they become only the sixth non-European or South American team in close to 100 years to make it past the first knockout round. Um Again, big picture. It wasn't until 2002 that an Asian country even hosted the World Cup. And this was South Korea and Japan did it, you know, co-hosted. And not till 2010, until an African team hosted the World Cup. That was South Africa in 2010. So 2022, you know, Qatar's first Arab country to host a World Cup. So, um, again, by all reports, there's a noticeable and significant fan solidarity in Doha, but among Asian, African, and Middle Eastern fans. Again, Mohammed will talk about this in, you know, in, in the main segment. Um, Saudi Arabia's victory over Argentina was widely celebrated. Same with Japan's defeat of Spain and Germany in the group phase. Tunisia topping France celebrated widely. Um, so, you know, Morocco is not only Africa's pride, but I think the darling of Asian and Middle Eastern fans as well. Huge. I mean, you you have a, a Green Falcons fan. I, I bet you, you know, if you had a Morocco, you, you know, the Atlas Lions fan uh, uh, shirt, you know, all our Saudi friends would be, you know, cheering that too. Um, mm -hmm. But let's talk about Morocco just for a second. 
because um, this is one of the interesting aspects of this World Cup. Between the 32 teams to qualify for this World Cup, 136 players, 16%, are representing color, countries other than the ones in which they were born. So in the past, this would be, say, an Algerian playing for France or a Moroccan playing for Spain. But, in fact, the majority of these 136 players in this World Cup play for Africa's five teams that qualified. And if you look at Morocco, more than half of the Morocco squad was born elsewhere. Um, Ashraf Hakimi, who executed that, you know, who executed that final penalty kick, Panenka, to eliminate Spain. <laughs> you probably know what that term means. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> was in fact born to Moroccan parents in Spain and raised in Spain. Which is pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, he knocks out, you know, his, his the country he grew up in, you yeah. know, representing, you know, the country that his parents were born in. So anyway, all this to say, the World Cup feels a lot more global, and and, and I think that reality is is it seems to be widely appreciated. Almost two and a half million fans attended the forty eight group phase games, ninety six percent stadium occupancy. This place is sold out. I mean, just hopping. Uh, and this 2.5 million number is the largest since the 1994 World Cup in the United States. So anyway, um, it's exciting. It's got a vibe. And just over two weeks into it with about 10 days to go, um, I think thus far, uh, I mean, the, the World Cup in Qatar has been a remarkable success. Tremendous attendance, uh, exciting football, and, and limited controversy. And it seems to be a lot of happy fans. Yeah, I mean, happy fans there in Qatar, happy fans watching worldwide. I think, Richard, and this is just totally anecdotal, but it seems like there's more interest in this World Cup in the U.S. this time around. This just could just be me being more interested. Um, but uh, and that, that was great, Richard. I, I am very interested in the World Cup and have been watching it. There's certain things that matter about it to me, like the timing of the host country. So, like, it's really nice that there, for the group stage, there was a, a uh, game coming on when I was waking up, you know, really early with my kids, there's a game being played, um, you know, actively. <laughs> and then there's another game after that at around 10 AM in the U S and then another game around, uh, 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 at 2 PM in the U S. So there was just soccer on all morning, which yeah. is a kind of a nice background. And all day you know, sport. Really. I mean, yeah, cause, cause a, it's a 10 AM start a 2 PM start. Uh, yep. yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. All day. Like you said. Yeah. And so it was just, it was kind of nice. Um, Richard, I'm sure that your children did as well, and you probably did, but I grew up playing a lot of soccer, and I've I, you know, totally lost interest in playing it you know, for fun, um, but I grew up playing a lot of soccer. American kids typically give it up for other sports because there are a lot of options here for playing uh, different sports. You know, I, I gave it up for basketball and baseball and hockey and tennis and now golf. Uh, I just sort of fell off, but it's a great sport for kids because you get to play with other kids and it's safe and, you know, it's fun. You get to be outside and it's a nice babysitting activity uh, for, <laughs> for dropping your kids off at soccer practice. So they're Americans uh, do have a lot of exposure to soccer, but it's not uh, just it, the fandom isn't quite there, but you can kind of see that changing. I mean, I kind of feel into soccer right now. I've watched almost all of these world cup games at least part of them that were on TV. Um, it, it's sort of like, how can you like, how can, how can we not like something that the world likes so much? You know, it's like the number one score for the world. And we're sort of like, yeah, it's like seven or eight here. Maybe like we get, we get up for the team, but um, you know, there's stuff that I, 
dislike about soccer are fake injuries. Um, that's probably the one Ugh. thing that I sort of Ugh. is really brutal to watch. Sort of thinking about it though, Richard, uh, can you name the one team sport though where there are no fake injuries at all? There's really only one. UFC. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's not a team sport. But <laughs> that's that, true. Sorry, so, my bad. Yeah, so golf would also be one where there's no no point in ever faking an injury. But really, it's baseball. If you think about it, in football, oh, there's you know fake point. pass interference and guys rolling around on the turf to stop the clock for various reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, basketball, you're you're People faking for a foul. Yeah, yeah, flopping. So it's really not that uncommon. It's just something about the soccer players doing it to me seems like really egregious, but. Anyway, uh, totally seamless, smooth execution from Qatar. Um, I guess one could have said that they would see that coming, but it really has been impressive. Driving up the cost of my flight to Riyadh next week and hotel next week, people are staying in Riyadh and UAE and flying <laughs> over to Qatar. So it's just the way it is. Exhilarating games. Richard, you mentioned them, uh, so we don't need to really go too far into them, but Japan over Germany, Morocco recently over Spain. Um the, and we should talk about this too. The Saudi over Argentina that was unreal. Two shootouts this week. I mean, it's exciting stuff. Like, it's really cool. So I'm into soccer now. I know I've said that I've committed to Arsenal um, as my. I'm sorry, Chelsea. As Chelsea. My, oh yeah, my goodness, you, I thought yeah. it was Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Uh -oh, yeah. Are you are you gonna abandon? No, the ship? I'm not jumping the ship. Chelsea. I'm sticking with Chelsea. But I'm actually gonna start watching some games, which is exciting. I don't. Aren't they playing now? Isn't the EPL going on now? Anyway, I'll, I can't. I, I would think. I think it's on hiatus, isn't it? Because all the best players. I, are in yeah, I, I would uh, hope so. Or they'd be. They'd be pretty. That was part. Of, that was part of the you know controversy. You got to you know it. We're having we're having a World Cup in winter instead of you know. So they had to rearrange their schedule in order to to have it for Doha to host it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, you know, you know, endless controversy in the run up to it. Yeah, but then once they launched it, super smooth. And then, you know, Richard, we should talk about the Saudi Green Falcons win over Argentina, which is historic and also caused a day off the next day uh, from King <laughs> Salman. It was a day. huge deal. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have been in and out of Saudi for decades, so you sort of know that there's enormous pride with the Saudi football club and, and with Saudi's local uh, league. And Saudi Arabia did have a big win in the World Cup that was held here in the U.S. in the 90s, I think. Um, yeah. uh, I yeah. can't remember who they played, but they had some big upset win and everyone went crazy. My parents were at that game, believe it or not. They, they told me about this when uh, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Yeah, but um, just how big was this for Saudi? And, and, and people don't know. In this era, we just dismiss things, you know, you know, Saudi Arabia, Saudi, you know, Newcastle United, uh, you know, this flirtation with Cristiano Ronaldo, possibly coming El Nasser, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all sports washing. But people don't know that Saudi Arabia has a long and and deep and widespread relationship with with football. They love their teams. They first they had first professional teams in the 60s. I mean, they've had they've got they've got. They've got uh, the Saudi Professional League, 16 teams, first division, 20 teams, second division, 28 teams, third division, 32 teams. And each of these is sort of getting more professionalized and growing and more aggressive uh, and trying to, you know, build better teams. I mean, they've won the three Asian Cups, you know, going back to 1984, qualified for the World Cup six times. So, so it's not like Saudis just discovered soccer because it was – you know, it'll promote tourism or, or anything mm -hmm. like that, or they want to get, you know, they want to sports. They love soccer. 
and and they feel like this is their World Cup because it's right next door. Um, so I think that's one of the things that's come out of this is that you know yeah this is this is a a authentic love and cultural uh, enthusiasm for for this Green Falcons team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And they they you know it's it's not like the it's not like Saudi Arabia is getting into hockey. You know, it's like there's a lot of people playing <laughs> soccer in Saudi Arabia. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just that was just so cool. And everyone was so stoked about it. It's it's almost like without that and the, if they had made the, you know, the round of 16, but without the Argentina win, it wouldn't have felt like they had a ton of momentum going forward. Um, and it does feel like that now because it's just like, well, if they can, if they're capable of beating Argentina with the greatest soccer player ever, playing and playing well he's playing well in this tournament actually um you know if they're capable of doing that that they're they're capable of going farther next time and that's exciting for them and i think that this green falcon jersey will hopefully still fit in four years (laughs) oh yeah absolutely (laughs) and they're fun to watch i mean the u.s team uh, you know uh, you you know obviously they didn't even qualify in 2018 uh and you look at them they were the youngest team um second youngest team but they fielded the youngest team you know, in their latter latter games in the group phase, in the whole tournament, I mean, they they have team speed, they're athletic, their midfielders are strong. I mean, there's something to build on there, something to be excited about. Um, so, but but it's not really exciting soccer. I mean, their 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 strikers and forwards aren't aren't you know particularly notable. Falcons, green Falcons are just flying all over the place. They're kind of fun to watch, you know? They're yeah, they got that team cohesion. Yeah, it's, it was, it's really cool. I mean, you know, the other thing, Richard, is the U.S. doesn't even have to worry about qualifying next time. You know, we exactly. can just coast in the in the run-up because we'll be hosting with Mexico and Canada. Do Does Mexico and Canada also get automatic bids, or how does that work? They do. And by the way, you know, again, I do believe there's a more of a global vibe here because you have more Asian and, and African teams that have had some success and stuff. But next year, next the next one, 2026 in the U.S., U.S., Canada, Mexico, is going to be even more global because they're expanding the field to 48 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, fantastic. And and it should be interesting. You're going to have more surprises because obviously with expansion comes dilution dilution. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have, you're going to have, you know, some, some, uh, some really surprised teams come up and uh, Cinderella's and, and it, this is all good. It's fun. It's fun. And you know, what seems to be missing from the U S team as a total amateur, um, espousing my opinion is that we don't really have the marquee, like we don't have the big player, you know, that some of these, as we're down to the quarterfinals now, it seems like every team has one or two stars, some of them a lot more, but you've got like Mbappe from France and obviously Messi from Argentina. Ronaldo is, was actually not even starting in the last, um, game. Right. Um, he came in and, um, but you know, they, we, it, if, it, we need like the, you know, we need the superstar, I think to really get, you know, I, I, I definitely think that's what's missing. I mean, we're across the board, we're athletic, young and fast, but there's nobody. And this is something that's it's kind of obnoxious to say, because these, these, these athletes are so good at their craft. They work so hard and they're, but you know, there's nobody like Mbappe or uh, Messi and these are bad comparisons, but there's nobody who's special. Mm-hmm who just, you know, you see them on the field, they stand out and they're going to make special things happen. And I think we really got stuck. I mean, what do we, we scored one goal in three games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oh no, no, we scored two, one of which was a complete accident, but um, 
but you know that was the only way we were going to survive was to, you know shutting people out because we just didn't have that flair that strike that extra something up front yeah really good point i mean because it, it's like you watch mbappe or you watch um messi and for some reason it's just like they're always scoring goals you know and it's hard to understand because it's like it doesn't seem like they're doing anything that different but it's just like oh messi's just going to do one or two dribbles and then it's just like in the back of the net and you're, you're like wow like how you know, how is this and that's, possible? And that's why you can't, you can't, you can have, you know, that's, it's, that's where, I mean, every, every endeavor from medicine to athletics to anything, there's, there's, you know, a significant part of science and technique, but then there's that last element of art. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's something, you know, some people like Messi and Mbappe, they, they were born with an instinct to know where the ball's going, how to be get there and, and every angle, every, you know, they see it, they see things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and totally you cannot agree. train that. Yeah, I love the French jerseys. By the way, the French have such good kits, yeah. always, and in <laughs> the and in like the uh, yeah, kit. It's a soccer term, you know. Um, go <laughs> and in uh, in the Olympics as well. I don't know why. There's it's, their stuff. Look, they always look so cool. But uh, let's yeah. hope that uh, so yeah. they're playing England um, this weekend, uh, which should be very very interesting. A War of the Roses. But in 2022 and on the soccer field, um, I think there's going to be a very high viewership of this in both countries. Well, and, and you know, they're all interesting. I mean, Croatia, Brazil, Brazil's just, you know, looks like they're gelling right the same, right the right time. Morocco, Portugal, Portugal just <laughs> pasted. Um, who did they just paste? They, was it Croatia? No, Croatia's in. Uh, so sorry. they're in. Um, no, yeah. Uh, oh, I, Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. yeah, well, good Swiss. That's a good Swiss team. Yeah, they, they but they got, got dragged all over the field by that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Netherlands, Argentina, and um, you know, this is this is fun. It is fun. It is fun. And you know, Richard, this was fun uh, as a nice sort of mix up. Um, to be able I have to a talk question for you though. Yes, before we go, a trivia question. Uh oh. Okay. I've referenced I referenced the percentage, you know, the the you know the number of players who are playing not playing for the the, the countries in which they were born. Hmm. Okay. There are there are four teams, four teams in this tournament for which every one of the players is homegrown. Can you okay. name those four teams? Okay, so it's not Qatar. <laughs> no, they, 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 I think 16 of their 26 are not home. Really. Yeah, um, I would probably guess Saudi. And so that does that disqualify? So that's one. Yeah, because it kind of seems Saudi, like, okay, that's cool. a good pull. That's a good pull. Saudi every, would every be one. Saudi, yeah, every yeah. Saudi is a homegrown player. Homegrown. So you mean Which, born in the country? Born in born. the country. Okay. Yeah. So not and, a naturalized citizen. Okay. Right. And cool. and by the way, that speaks to the depth of the Saudi football culture is that you can feel the team of 26 really good ball players all born mm-hmm. in, the, in, in Saudi. Okay. So then I would probably say Japan and South Korea. Are they? South Korea. Okay, so Japan's got some sandbaggers. Okay, cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Um, they're 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 below ten percent. So you know, it's not they need me one or two, but yeah, you're right. So you've got two. You got you got Saudi. You've got South Korea and Mexico. Uh, they're in the. They're not in there. They're oh, not man. one of the four. Okay. Um, okay. Can I have, uh, let me do one more guess? Um, <laughs> Uh, wow. Cause it's hard because you have to think about where people would be moving to, to like claim citizenship. And, you, you know, so yeah. You also have to think about what countries 
uh, you know, football culture is deep enough and broad enough and populated enough to, you know, not have to worry about anybody, you know, picking up people from another country. Right, right, right. So, I mean, so like France, there's probably no chance, right? And England, because they have two very popular leagues, right? But on top of that, they're both colonial. They were both colonial powers. Indeed. So you yeah. have a lot of, that, that was one of, that's another thing that's interesting about this tournament is how immigration, global immigration, you know, has impacted all these squads, especially the European squads. We need it to impact the United States squad. It seems like we're not really <laughs> well, benefiting, you know. Obviously, a- <laughs> we're we're a polyglot nation. I mean, the U.S. is twenty percent, you know, you know, not U.S. born. So we got South Korea and we've got Saudi. Who are the other two? Brazil and Argentina. Ha. Huh. That is so interesting it, and almost obvious, right? Because they're the two top five team, two of the top five teams. No one would immigrate there to get citizenship to play, you know, or, or whatever. Um, okay. There's so much talent there that is homegrown. They don't need it. That's fascinating. So I was thinking more like, oh, who like, you know, like the Saudi story makes sense, you know, because it's, you know, they, they don't have a lot of people. Get, first of all, it's hard to get Saudi citizenship um, yeah. until very recently. But um Wow, that's fascinating. But fascinating. you did a good job. I mean, you got Thank two you. out of four. <laughs> two out of four is fifty percent. It's still an F, but you know, <laughs> that puts you about. That's still, you still don't have an, You know, that still doesn't equal a number of, of non-Moroccans on the Moroccan team, but it's a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for that Morocco team. By the way, they are so scrappy, and the the crowd looked so fun. Like they were going nuts yeah. during that shootout, and their goalie, as we discussed off the air, was <laughs> that was so cool. Um, dancing. And do back we and know forth. what a panenka is? I don't know what that is now. Oh, I right, Panenka? So Panenka. 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 So on okay. a penalty kick, you have, you know, it's it's the it's the ultimate of uh what is it? Uh you know, just confidence, I don't know, just swag, just like complete swagger. So Panenka is a quick penalty kick directly at the goalkeeper. Oh, okay. You <laughs> know, uh, you know, counting on them diving one way or the other. Gosh, what a what a great meme it would be if the goalie knew it was coming and then just like swatted it down and just stared the guy down. You know, that's like, why you have to have some you have to have some real swagger to try it because you could look really good or look really stupid. Yeah, I don't know why that. I guess it was the Japanese side, but they like all of their penalty kicks seemed like I could do better than that. Like they were just kicking them slow and on the ground. And I was like, "What's uh, let's go for the corner here?" You know, I mean, like With some they're going to save those. Yeah. <laughs> How do they, um, how do they, like, is the goalie, like, what's a good qualifying characteristic for a goalie? Are they typically, like, tall with long arms? Like, are yeah. they, you I mean, know. Gumby, Gumby is Gumby. good. You know, a seven-foot Gumby is ideal. <laughs> yeah, because you, you think, like, the Dutch goalie would be, like, 6'8". Like, the whole, like, Netherlands team is just, like, they all seem a little bit taller <laughs> than all the other teams, um, which is just interesting. And then you have that one U.S. forward, and I can't remember his name, who's got to be, like, 5'1". And he looks like he's got like turbo, like in FIFA, the game where you're just like going around other players, that, you know? So it's, it's not like, Robinson. It's, um, it might be Dest. It might be I think Dest. it is. Yeah. And he's got, he's got, he had like bleached hair or something. He um, was good. He was one of the, he was one of the better players for the U.S. for sure. Dest. Yeah. Well, we need, we've got four years now to really tighten yeah. things up, you know, maybe yeah. get a little offense. We'll be playing. I think, um, <clears throat> there will be games being played in Philadelphia. Richard is the closest city to us in dc um, um but the women you know audi fields in washington 
right here. And, you know, and, and that's the thing It's funny because yeah, you know, the FIFA world cup is coming next year um, for women, women's world cup. Uh, and, you know, that's only been held since 1991, but you know, there's been eight world cups and we've won four. So you can see why our interest in the women's national team is, is, you know, much greater typically than the men's national team. And they're now getting paid the same as the men, right? Exactly. So, which is really nice, uh, given that they are winners. I also yeah. love, and this is, we are going on <laughs> long on this. You know, Richard, this is surprising. I kind of thought, oh, I'll talk a few minutes about the World Cup. It's actually, we're sorry for everybody. We're just sort of bantering here. Yeah. yeah, but um, it's really interesting <laughs> how <laughs> um, women, um, you know, they're, they're, I kind of like watching that a little bit more. And I think it's because the U.S. team is always winning, you know. And so, um, but I mean, women's soccer seems like it's just as good as men. I mean, it's, I don't know, to me. Anyway, it's just one little it's, observation. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, it, it, technically it's, it's, it's nice. And you're right. It's always nice to back a winner. I mean, some of this, uh, and that's the thing you see some of these uh, really top teams, what they do in in space, the tight space, you know, yeah. and, and, and the instinctive gives and goes and anticipation is just magical to watch. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm an American. Some, some soccer matches are just drudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even if I can understand the technical expertise of, you know, just managing a, a you know, a possession, but um, boy, when you see these guys in space, I'm going, Oh my goodness, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane. It's also like, you know, there's there's trudge and there's like, wow, they are nobody people. They're passing backward. You know, they're like passing yeah. to the goalie. Like, why is it going so slowly? And then you have the U.S. match against Iran, like the last ten minutes was oh just like gosh. absolutely excruciating. And I was that like, was, wow, these I are aged, two extremes. <laughs> I, I aged a decade on that yeah. thing. <laughs> it's so funny. You like, it's like a it's like a dad at a at their kid's sports event. You don't even sit down to watch. You like stand yeah. up with your arms crossed and you just stare at it. You know, you're just like, <laughs> geez, so. That um, was excruciating. You're right. Uh, good stuff from Qatar hosting the World Cup. Good programming in the U.S. with Fox running it has been really yeah. good. It just yeah. all of it's yeah. been awesome. Really enjoying it. Looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to watching some Chelsea. Um, interesting to go. kind of after this to compare it how you know these guys are playing for clubs where they're getting paid. You know, p- people are obviously very into that. So it's like, how, you know, are the players as passionate? Like, you know, are, are the regular season games as interesting as this? So I'll be interested to maybe see that. So you're, but you, you've got energized. You're, you know, your you're, uh, EPL, you know, fandom is energized. I'm Chelsea. energized. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then, you know, the NFL was on Sunday, so that took precedence over the soccer. So. <laughs> that's, in, that's in our DNA. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> yeah. Um, Richard, what do you think? Let's get to our conversation with Dr. Mohammed Al-Haji, who was at the World Cup. Um, it's just really great. A lot of fun. Dr. Mohammed, Saudi super fan. We're speaking now with Dr. Mohammed Al-Haji, director of the Behavioral Insights and Nudge Unit at the Ministry of Health who now not only wears the honor of being a repeat guest on the 966, he was also an attendee at the World Cup this year in Qatar. And that is what we would love to speak with you about. Dr. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, Mohammed, thanks so much. Yes, and I want to reiterate, because I've always loved, and by the way, go back and listen to our episode with Dr. Mohammed. It was really good. From early May, it's great. Yep. as director of behavioral insights and nudge unit. So anything that's going on in Saudi Arabia, you know, Muhammad has something to do with anything good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All the good <laughs> Making stuff. It yeah. happen. <laughs> yes. We're living vicariously through you, Muhammad. We're doing a world cup episode 
and uh, and we wanted to talk with friends who had been there. Mm-hmm. And so you have uh, you 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 went to a couple matches, correct? Correct. Yeah. And and how, how was your experience? And let me let me give a little background, and we'll do an intro on this. But this is uh, the attendance at this this World Cup, uh, Qatar's World Cup. This the group of forty eight. So obviously, you know, we're not done yet. Two mm. almost two and a half million people mm. showed up in in Qatar for this for this World Cup, which is in, insane. It's the largest number since the nineteen ninety four Olympics in in the U S. And the largest contingent, understandably, but still an impressive contingent, was the Saudis with uh, close to eighty thousand um, mm-hmm. uh, fans there. So, and you were you were one of those uh, Saudi fans at a couple of matches. How was this experience? Oh, I mean, the first game. I mean, I think was one of the major upsets in the World Cup history. Everybody's agreeing on that. So, being in the stadium for that specific game against Argentina was was pretty electric i mean uh, the atmosphere there was just overwhelming and everybody was having a lot of fun um the the physical environment in the stadium the lucille stadium is just an iconic uh iconic building in itself so being there with like eighty five thousand other like spectators and the saudi team pull on one pulling one of the largest upsets in the history it was it was really an amazing amazing experience to be in now one of the things that's come out of this i think and which people aren't really aware is the deep uh and sort of organic football culture in saudi arabia mm-hmm. i mean there's you've been fans for for decades generations you know you have home teams but so this is this is an outpoint of what already existed this isn't new material and also i gather that that there's some rituals and some things that you know, for Saudi fans going to, and maybe it's with their clubs, but I mean, what was clear in all the reporting about this World Cup is you knew where the Saudi fans were because you could see them and you could hear them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, even even some of the chants were like adopted by like different countries and different nationalities. Like some Brazilians fans now borrow some of our quotes and some of our chants. So this kind of soft influence was was really uh, clear uh, coming off from the Saudi fans. We were really there. Um, we were present. We, I, I, I saw a video from uh, a Qatari citizen who was really sad about the Saudi team being knocked uh, out from the from the uh, group uh, stage because Doha has like kind of slowed down after we left. Yeah. Uh, we we occupied the whole city. Everybody was just having a, a like fun time uh, there with everybody. So it's it's a great. How was it getting there? Oh, it was smooth. So uh, luckily, I tried two different like transportations. Let's say, in the first match, I flew there from Riyadh. Um, so there is like I think there's there are two flights are an hour. Um, I think there's like 65 flights a day from different airports in Saudi Arabia. So I flew in the morning, like very, just very casually parked my car at the airport, uh, flew to Qatar. The uh, custom and immigration was really seamless and and great. Um, It was, yeah, just your like, I wouldn't say normal flight was even more fun than your normal flight because it's, it's a shorter flight too. 
Right. And once we got there, um, passport checkpoints was really easy. And then buses were ready for us to, to pick us up to the metro station where we then diffused to our, our hotels and different uh, sites. How was local? Because that Doha metro apparently, metro, apparently during the group stage was moving a, a daily average of over 700,000 passengers during that group stage. I, I could attest to that. Yeah, definitely. It was, <laughs> I mean, being in the metro itself was an experience because everybody was having a great time chanting the national anthem and then the Argentine fans would just follow back and then reply to our, <laughs> so it was, it was a great time and like all in love and peace and like zero violence um, zero aggress like aggression in from any part. I did not see anything. I did not witness anything. I know some like some incidents happened, but when you compare it to like what could have happened elsewhere for like a major uh, a tournament like this, uh, I I think uh, it was. It was really peaceful. Let me let me just leave it at that. It was it was really peaceful and loving experience. It seems to have, so far seems to have gone pretty seamlessly. And you mentioned uh, sort of adopting teams, and there seems to be there seemed to be regional pride about that victory over Argentina. I mean, not just Saudis; everyone was excited about it in in the in the in the Arab world. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, it, this is kind of a cool World Cup. You had three teams for the first time three countries in the asian football confederation get through to 16 mm -hmm. south korea australia and japan you had two african teams senegal and morocco get through to the 16 i mean this was i think this is one of the first times in in i think in 2000 since 2002 the teams from five different continents got through mm, really okay interesting yeah and uh and there just seemed to be a lot of pride in how the um the uh, sort of the Asian Asian you know Cup Asian Federation teams football Federation teams performed and as well as teams like you know Morocco and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was uh, like a an, an Arabic festival when we won against Argentina, and I think that is due to a lot of factors. First, it's against Argentina, like you know Messi is <laughs> there. Um, and like the, the the contextual factors about how the game went on, like when we kind of did a romantada was like one zero, and then we flipped it two to one. Like that fact really energized people and it kept everybody on their toes for the ninety minutes duration. So I wouldn't just attribute it to Argentina, but I think even like the scenario through which the the match went through um, also helped. Uh, making everything festive in the Arab world. Yeah. Uh, Messi, it's it's the World Cup for Messi. So uh, people were like watching, everybody was watching this match. And we were able to uh, pull it off uh, to flip to flip the result. It was it was something because you had a dynamic there because Messi, of course, is a is a leading spokesman for for Saudi Arabia. It's, you know, the tourism, you know, and you <laughs> yeah, see yeah, yeah. Lionel Messi everywhere in Saudi advertising and he's beloved yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, again, it wasn't so much. It wasn't like rivalry or like aggression. It was just love and like soccer, like pure joy and a pure uh, soccer business there yeah. wasn't anything personal even the jokes afterwards and the chanting were just really funny i do i think if <laughs> if messi like know and heard about these he would laugh too <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
And you I'm glad to... you use soccer, by the way. Yeah, no, say what? <laughs> I said, I'm glad you use soccer instead of football, by the way. We, our oh, yeah. our American yeah. listeners are going to appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, that half of our American <laughs> listeners are going, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure you've, if you've seen that the uh, the pictures where like there's a, a ball and a, a soccer player kicking the ball and there's an arrow saying a ball. A foot and then <laughs> and then there's there's a football american football like an egg-shaped ball and then a hand this should be called an egg hand <laughs> egg ball <laughs> or egg ball kind of thing yeah there are and uh there's a current commercial now with peyton manning and david beckham about that's just, that yeah. one yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh so you went to what was the other match you went to uh, so the other match was uh, the disappointing match uh, against Mexico. Um, we had a chance to advance, um, but um, we really did poorly that match. Um, I left. I left the stadium even before the uh, the whistle. Uh, just I don't want to be stuck with the um, right. with the and th there was no hope really. Um, I mean, watching that game was really disappointing because we had a lot of. Uh, Players who were not ready uh, due to injuries and due to yellow cards and not being able to play. So we were definitely uh, underperforming and uh, we, yeah, we just I, lost. I tell you, Mexico really brought it. And they did. I mean, I was surprised by their spectator base there. I mean, I understand us Saudis were like a couple of hours away, but Mexican fans coming from all the way from like Mexico it was really uh, overwhelming, and it's it's really uh, interesting to see the base. It was large, it was a large crowd, definitely. So it's mm -hmm. interesting. The number of fan visitors, uh, Saudi Arabia leads. Second was India. Third was the U.S. Fourth mm -hmm. was the U.K. No, actually, uh, fourth was Mexico. It's it's very interesting to me because a mm -hmm. you you would think that we had a. Uh, you would think we have uh, a large expat community here in the Gulf, but we don't for, yeah. for Mexicans. Um, so those people must have come all the way from yeah. like yeah. really overseas. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't a morning commute, was it? <laughs> it wasn't. A, yeah, exactly. As opposed to uh, uh, Argentinians, I think that's what they call Argentinians. Uh, a lot of them are based from Dubai. So when I talked to some of these people, they, they just flew from Dubai. So it made it, it kind of made sense to me uh, because also there was a large crowd from Argentina, uh, surprisingly. Uh, but no, like the, the Mexicans, they they did a great. They must love soccer to death, man. Yeah. Well, it was. I tell you, it was fun watching the Saudi team. And I say this as you know, obviously we're fans of the American team. And um, the Saudis, you know, they very aggressive, very you know. And actually, also they also led in the in the group round. They also led all teams in yellow cards. <laughs> so they're very. Yeah. <laughs> but again, very aggressive. You know. Uh. You know when you watch the U.S. team and the U.S. team got through i mean it was clear they weren't going to win uh you know mm. uh beat netherlands but uh you know it's a it, it's a it's a different experience lucian you you may agree i mean it, they they're they're young they're fast they're midfield strong there's their their uh, strikers uh and forwards are just really uh you know m m average at best so you know they basically got through on their defense it's not it's not an exciting you know obviously if you watch it, the technical part, and that's it. but it's the, the, the Saudi brand of football for me was much more exciting to watch than the American brand. I don't know what you, what's your opinion, Lucian? 
Well, they, they were all sort of from the same team, right? They were all from um, Al-Halal, pretty much, which may get yeah. uh, Ronaldo yeah. na- now next. So they had that sort of team cohesiveness, it looked like to me, yeah, a so. complete amateur viewer of soccer. Um, <laughs> no, you got it as, right. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. I mean, there's sort of like the team chemistry and stuff. Um, but yeah, and Richard, you we've talked about this before, but I was in Holland in the ne- Netherlands in 2010 when um, the Netherlands was in the final against Spain. And that was absolutely uh, pandemonium. Yeah, just absolutely bonkers. And they lost, which was, uh, you know, was not the same peaceful, sad crowd um, that Dr. (laughs) Muhammad is is describing. (laughs) Oh, by the way, by the way, one of you know, as you said, you said it's very peaceful and everything in in Doha, which is nice. I think part of the reason is states like the UK for sure banned something like 1,500 known hooligans from going. They did. you, you, I think you had, you know, then that was, I think it might be the same thing in France as well. I mean, wow. they basically identified troublemakers and they did, they were not given visas or allowed to go. Wow. I mean, the absence of alcohol helped too. Yeah. Uh, everybody was sober. And when you're sober, you tend to be more wise, like a little bit wiser. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It still seemed pretty rowdy in the stands, though. So I don't think people needed alcohol to get excited. Yeah. Um, at yeah, least yeah. that's how it looked from the viewer on uh-huh. TV. No, no, no. Like excitement was, was up in the air, really. Like everybody was excited there. It's fun. Um, I, I, I may go again, actually. Yes, well, tell us about that. Are you gonna Are you gonna go back? What's the Do you have a plan, or is it? What's yeah, going yeah. On? I I have a plan to go attend the uh, uh, the quarterfinal. Um, I think my my calculation that would be the game between Argentina and Brazil. So um, that God. would that would be one hell of a game uh, oh my to, to attend to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's since it's Doha, I think it must be safe. I wouldn't go to the game elsewhere. I would I'd be watching that on TV if it weren't in Doha. But yeah, yep, exactly. So I think I'm gonna. We're gonna just me and a bunch of my friends. We're gonna just drive again from the East Coast uh, and and just attend the game for the day. So if you're driving, if you're you're driving, I know uh, Eastern Province is your home home province. If you're driving, don't you have to park at the at the border? Yeah, you do. So you you park your vehicle at the border, and then you jump into a, a bus uh, for free, uh, and then you just stop like uh, ten minutes through. You stop for passports. You jump back into the same bus, and then that bus takes you to to Doha. Pretty simple. Uh, really simple. I mean, like my family um, who like we have we have a bunch. I have a bunch of nephews and nieces. They're going they're going there tomorrow and we wouldn't allow them to go if it's like tiring or something. Right. But but it's really smooth and it would would be really a shame to miss such a, an event because this event's not going to be happening again unless I don't know what happens. Yeah. So uh, so fam- family members are going. Um, it's that smooth, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe in 2030, um, you guys will. Yeah, when you do, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there, there've been there've been rumors. I'm I'm sure you've heard some of the rumors. Well, yeah, I guess Saudi is maybe throwing in with Egypt and even Greece and, and Greece and yeah. Greece. Yeah, and and I think the sport minister uh, kind of alluded that we are not going to do that uh, uh, in CNN uh, last week. But uh, it's not an official denial of the of the rumor. <laughs> yeah, well, you never, with Saudi Arabia, you never know. They're putting their throwing their hat in the ring for all sorts of major, you know, True. world world showcases. True. Uh, 
but anyway, uh, and and it's how's the spirit been in in kingdom? I mean, even for, you know, just just on the streets, I imagine there's a lot of talk all day long about you know. Well, now the Saudis eliminated, but during that the the group round. Oh, it was it was really uh, hopeful. Uh, a lot of a lot of people held uh, like really strong belief in the team, um, especially after our victory against Argentina. That was. I mean, had we had we lost against Argentina, things would have been really normal. We would we know that we would be not making it through, but it's that victory that kind of raised expectations. Um, so it, it did kind of disservice us emotionally because it raised the expectations and uh, raised our hopes. <laughs> while while objectively speaking, given the squad, given the names. The the proper expectation is that we should be losing and we should be last in our group. True. But what happened, I guess, under Argentina kind of flipped this whole equation. Yeah. And we were thinking, oh, who are gonna meet again? We're gonna meet Brazil in the quarterfinal. Like we were like <laughs> in fantasy and imagination got so far, <laughs> and then boom against Poland, and it's all I think it's all due to that penalty kick uh, which we missed. Uh, against uh, Poland, I think that that moment was very very influential because had we scored in that penalty, we would have advanced one zero, and we would have just carried through the game like lions and tigers. Um, mm-hmm. But we we missed that penalty kick, and I think that was it. That was the flip point. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, and as fans, we all get our hopes up. But let's face it, that Polish goalie stuffed a lot of people. He was good. The goalkeeper, yeah, for Poland. Oh my God, he, yeah, he's an octopus. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Ah, <laughs> oh, his hand was all over the place, <laughs> and he, 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 he got one against Messi too. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. He I saved, mean, he, he saved it, it wasn't just game. Saudi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was, he was, he was killing hopes and dreams of people all over yeah. the globe. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Salim Adusari, the player who missed the penalty, felt so much relief after Messi <laughs> kind true. of missed his. <laughs> So what do you think about this talk of uh, Cristiano coming to El Nasser? That would be so crazy. That would be so intense. Like we we didn't have such a, a status player over in Saudi for like I think Diego Maradona visited once hmm. and played for the Ahli club for like I think a friendly game. Right. Um but that was it. I mean, we yes, we do have players coming in for Riyadh seasons and all the celebration, but for a player in this status to play in our league, that would be really a, a game changer. Uh, even if we're talking about soft power, if we're talking about marketing the league uh, globally, uh, I think it would be uh, a new beginning if he really ends up coming because he would just kind of... Uh, uh, paves the way for other stars to normalize coming and making uh, Saudi Arabia just like the uh, U.S. league where a lot of people, a lot of stars retire there. Um, So um, I I totally understand it from a marketing and PR perspective. And I think it's really smart. It's I think it's going to cost two billion real overall. Uh, Yeah, an enormous amount. It's just an enormous amount. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that people did their calculations. Well, yes, you're right, and 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 I, I, Saudi Arabia has been very aggressive, and we, you know we talk about it here as in loss leaders. You know, basically, 
you do this not only because you want to bring his talent and skills, but for what it does for the larger football ecosystem. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think they're going over like to that kind of side of uh, influence and as, as also to increase the market value of the league, the, uh, uh, you know, all this kind of um, uh, other side, side, like peripheral things about soccer, but the game, not, not the game itself, but all the ecosystem, right. the tourism, the sport industry, uh, the global presence in, uh, of Saudi Arabia uh, to uh, media and channels over overseas. Yeah. 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 Exciting times, Mohammed. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so soccer here in Saudi Arabia is like football in, in, in the U.S. Uh, it's the major sport. It's the dominating sport. So um, it's a great season right now. Um, a lot of cafes, a lot of restaurants are showing these uh, matches and big screens. Um, although that we were eliminated, um, the interest to watch the games is still there. Uh, the daily talk and Twitter and our discourse and even like at, at work, uh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the matches, the uh, the different expectations and, and the scores. So it's the dominating uh, conversation now. And I heard from a couple of friends who work in marketing agencies, um, all of their uh, marketing campaigns about non-soccer things that's been like really dismal. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's like <laughs> doing any business. A lot of, yeah, it, like the views, the likes, the retweets, anything non-soccer is really suffering right now. Yeah. What's cool here too is that when um, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, and Richard, you can kind of attest to this, it's so rare and we follow this so closely every single day. It's so rare, rare when there's just one overwhelmingly positive view of Saudi Arabia in the United yeah. States. And that was just dominated the, the coverage for days here was the underdog yeah. story. Everybody loved that, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, especially here because we're always the underdog in soccer. So we were like, look, it's possible. Um, it was really cool to see. Yeah, I think one of the uh, Japanese players, when they when they beat, I think uh, they beat Germany 2-1 two, two and the same upset, same scenario, 1-0, right. and then they, they kind of flipped it. I think in his interview, he mentioned that we kind of, we were inspired by what happened uh, with the Saudis. Uh, because we preceded the game like two days before them. So uh, it was some sort of inspiration to the underdogs. I am. Um, it was yeah. it, it, it's, that game in particular, Lucian, I don't know. I, when we're doing our work, so, what, you know, I sometimes have it on in the background. And I, I was watching, you know, so that was on. And I, I, it was, you know, they were down. And, uh, you know, I stepped away for a moment and they were up. Well, that was the yeah. day, Richard, we were speaking with um, Prince Turkey Al-Faisal. Oh, there you go. Um, and and he so. told wow. us, he's like, yeah, Japan's ahead. And we were like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Well, that's funny. Prince Turkey Al Faisal was, was, you know, he was watching it right before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Mohammed, what's your, uh, what's your club, your Saudi club? Do you have a favorite? So I have, yeah. So it's, uh, it's the really like the, the icon of underdog. It's it's called a shabab. Uh, the youth. It's called a shabab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think like there's only a bunch of us. But um, <laughs> I was growing up in an era where that team was like leading the charts. So yeah, uh, yeah that's what I'm. Uh, I'm with a shabab. It's true. You know, you're sort of the you're you're at the mercy of your your childhood favorites. You know yeah, who you were growing yeah. up with, and it gets into your DNA. And you so you'll that's be it. a shabab fan mm -hmm. your whole life. 
exactly. Richard and I are Al Faya FC fans no um, based in Al Majma. Yeah, because we, we toured their stadium in 2017. Yeah, we yeah. did. Wow. We did. <laughs> so we were like, this is going to be our team now. <laughs> That's a good poll, Lucian, because I was it's, trying to remember that. It's too. one of the really smallest teams here or clubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, underdog story. We may not have Ronaldo yet, but we're yes. getting there. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, we're, yeah. we're plucky. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Uh, Dr. Mohammed, thank you so much for yeah, joining us. Um, really a great discussion. Please um, send us a photo or something when you if you go back for the quarterfinal and let us know Absolutely. you're safe in that atmosphere. <laughs> oh yeah, it might be really competitive. <laughs> Sounds um, good. Yeah, I'll I'll send you what's up, Richard. <laughs> absolutely yeah and actually actually if you have any pictures of you in the previous game we'd love to have that too but uh, Mohammed, this was terrific thanks so much for sharing your experience with us yeah absolutely thank you guys that was our very fun awesome conversation with dr Mohammed al haji a alum of the 966 who joined us to discuss <laughs> his um visit to qatar to watch the green falcons and how he may be going back for the quarterfinals so have fun dr Mohammed. and richard this was fun this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did a World Cup episode. And if, if you get to see the, the video version of this on our YouTube channel, you'll see pictures of Dr. Muhammad in, in Doha and some of his buddies, you know, dressed up and stuff. And he, he, he's, a, you know, he's a great representation of how avid and enthusiastic Saudi fans are about this, this event. Yep. Yep. And they are bidding for the World Cup in 2030, and they might get it with Greece and Egypt. So something They're to look getting at. getting the Asian Cup in 2027. Yes, because India dropped out. So yeah, that's just, so they're, they're in the pole position. <laughs> and pole thank position. you to Dr. Abdulaziz Alamazi for the awesome Green Falcons jersey. Um, yeah. This is Aziz. sweet. Aziz. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'll get you a, a U.S. World Cup one and you can use it as a bath towel or whatever because they're, exactly. not, they're not any good. But <laughs> Richard, thanks very much. See you next week. Thank you, Lucian.